Well, howdy! This podcast is a proud member of the PodCon Go Network. PodCon Go, family-friendly shows that are fun for everyone. Welcome to Elderberry Tales. Get a big bag of treats. It's time for a story. Today's story is My Dogs, Three Detectives, Make That Four, by William Stair. This is part three in an ongoing series, so if you haven't listened to part one and part two yet, you definitely should, and then meet me back here. All right, so at the end of part two, our four dog heroes had all snuck aboard a train on the way to Baskerville. Let's find out what happens next. It was still dark when the train pulled into the freight yard at Baskerville, and the four canine detectives slipped out of their warm boxcar and into the cold night air. I must relieve myself toot sweet, yelped Max as he ran to a nearby telephone pole. The feeling was evidently mutual, because all four dogs had a leg in the air before you could say, roll over. Ah, much better, sighed Overton. What's next, boss? asked Theo. First, we need to call on the accused murderer and get his side of the story, replied Overton. But according to the newspaper, the killer had not been captured and was loose in the countryside. How will we find him? asked Trooper. I know a chap here in Baskerville who might help. He's retired after long service with the police. But I think I can persuade him to join us. Follow me. Off they went, following Overton. The four wandered through the still sleeping town, while in the east, the inky darkness began giving way to a pale shade of blue. All was still, until they heard a mechanical sound coming up rapidly behind them. Then, a man on a bicycle swept past them. He was wearing a long jacket, gloves, and a bike helmet. Steady, steady, came deep whispered words from Overton. Every one of the four was seized with a desperate urge to run after the solitary cyclist, barking fiercely. However, Overton's calming words held them at bay. Continuing on, they soon came to a tavern, the Lion's Mane. Going around to the back, they found a humble dwelling, little more than a kennel, built against the back of the brick building. Overton motioned to the others to hang back while he went to the door of the miserable shack and whispered, Lestray? Lestray, are you in there? A fumbling could be heard from inside the hovel, and then a droopy, sad, hangdog face peered out. Who's there? What do you want? Why, is that you, old friend? Is that you, Overton? Indeed, it is I, Lestray, I'd heard you'd fallen on hard times, but this? Working as a guard for this tavern? True, so true. 
After I was retired from the police force, I had a good spot working for the old owner of Baskerville Hall. But when he died and his son took over, things changed, and I got tossed out like an old chew toy. This miserable job was the best I could get. Sad, very sad. We must discuss a better future for you over a smoked pig's ear sometime soon. But right now, my friends and I need your expertise. You've the best nose in the business, and we think something smells rotten about the murder of the man who fired you. We need you, old fellow. The words, we need you, put a light in the tired, drooping eyes of Lestray. Reporting for duty, sir, he said, and limped out of his pathetic shed. It tore at Overton's heart to see his old friend so reduced, and he gave him a loving lick. The two rejoined the waiting dogs, and Overton did the introductions. Both he and Lestray had known each other since their landmine-sniffing days in Afghanistan. As the five trotted back to the front street, Max came up next to Overton. Mon ami, I heard every word of your conversation with Lestray. You do realize he had a motive and the means to murder the new owner of Baskerville Hall. Yes, that occurred to me. And I won't cross him off our list. But I just don't think he has it in him, no matter how provoked, replied Overton. The five continued on as the sun rose and the town woke. On the street, a solitary cyclist pedaled slowly a block behind them. It was mid-morning by the time they reached Baskerville Hall on the outskirts of the town. If some of them had thought it was going to be a grand manor house, surrounded by stately gardens, they were very disappointed. It was large and rambling, but of a single floor and made of wood. Paint was peeling off in places, and the roof looked like it needed to be replaced. Used to be the Abbey Grange Hall where farm folks would gather to socialize, muttered Lestray. When that closed decades ago, it was renamed after the town and was run as a kind of dance hall and tavern. Where did the crime take place? asked Trooper. Round the back, I'll show you. Lestray led the little group around the side of the hall and into a wilderness behind it. There's a creek that widens into a pond back there. The ground gets pretty murky this time of year, so watch your step, he cautioned. The old hound led the way along an overgrown path that ran downward into a sort of swamp. The ground was indeed wet, and all but lightweight Theo were soon slogging through the mud. Overton's full one-eighth of a ton was a real disadvantage here. Lestray paused and sniffed the ground. I may be old with bad eyes, but this nose of mine hasn't failed me yet, he chuckled. Over here. He pulled his feet from the muck and climbed up a little rise. This is where it happened. The five gathered around a trampled spot at the top of the rise. Right there he was, Torn up like an old slipper used by a teething pup. An awful mess. You can still smell his blood in the dirt. 
everyone was silent for a moment. Then, who found him? asked Trooper. I had that honor, replied Lestray. Max looked at the old dog and cocked one eyebrow. Overton caught the look, which seemed to say, A bit too convenient for my liking, eh, mon ami? Lestray continued. It was after I'd been run off. His father had given me a food bowl that was a favorite, and when I'd left, I'd had no time to pack. So I came back to get it. Sentimental kind of thing. Anyway, it was back behind the hall, and when I got back there, the air was thick with the smell of death. Naturally, I followed it and found him where we stand now. Like I said, he was all torn up. The sheriff came out and decided, mauled to death by animal unknown. Trooper stood quiet for a moment, then said, Excuse me, Lestray, but why don't the authorities suspect you? Max nodded eagerly. We, oui, you have both motive and opportunity. True, but I lack one very important thing. A weapon, or rather, 42 weapons. Lestray pulled back his lips, showing he hadn't a single tooth in his head. Overton rumbled. Nasty fungal infection he picked up in Afghanistan took every one of his teeth. I've been gumming it ever since, added Lestray. Excusez-moi, pardon me, said Max lowering his head in deference to the old veteran's pride. Don't trouble yourself, Frenchie. You're right to suspect anyone who might have had a reason to do him in, and I did. Overton was not in such a forgiving mood, and glared at both Trooper and Max. Let's get back to the case at hand, shall we? He muttered stiffly. Did anyone benefit from the death of this man? Not that anyone knows. He was the last of his line, with no family left. There was a rumor going around that he was going to sell the place rather than fix it up and run it himself. His old dad had kind of let the maintenance go over the years. He used to say the upkeep was a curse, and I guess his son agreed. Anyway, no one has appeared to claim it since the death. Eventually, it will be sold at auction for taxes, although I don't know who would want it. Interesting, said Trooper, almost to himself. Is anyone hungry? asked Theo. The last time we ate was at that French cafe last night. My stomach's been rumbling for the past hour, admitted Overton. Oh, and I thought that was the sound of you thinking, laughed Theo. Lestray. Where do you suggest we dine? Right here would be good. The hall is empty, but there's plenty of tasty food in the kitchen. Unless the sheriff and his deputies ate it all. Let's head back to the empty hall. Repugnant, muttered Max. Eating in the home of a dead man? Does he think we're mongrels? The troop backtracked to the hall, where Overton realized there were notices posted on the doors, indicating the building was sealed by the order of the sheriff. 
How will we get in? He asked. Just follow me, replied Lestray, wagging his tail. The five made their way to a corner of the building, where, cut into the clapboard siding, was a dog door. Lestray led the way, with each dog following. Overton was last, and it was a very tight fit. However, the thought of food overcame the tightness of the fit, and he popped into the hall with the rest. Light streamed in through the dirty windows, and the smell of stale beer and dust filled the space. This way to the kitchen, boys, said Lestray, again taking the lead. As they walked, mud from their foray into the swamp left five sets of tracks across the worn floorboards. In the kitchen, Lestray led the way to a large refrigerator. Inside was a platter covered in large pieces of meat. Help yourselves, boys, courtesy of the late owner of Baskerville Hall. Better us than him, laughed Lestray. The five wasted no time. Before you could say, sit, each had a huge steak in his mouth and dragged it onto the floor for devouring. All but Lestray himself. What about you, old friend? Asked Overton between gulps of raw meat. Don't worry about me, the old dog laughed. There's plenty of ground beef on the next shelf. Ah, steak tartare, magnifique, added Max, with his mouth full and red juices running down his jaw. While the five were enjoying their lunch, a figure on a bicycle, who'd been hiding behind some trees, rolled to the corner where the dog door was. He dismounted. Not only had he been watching our intrepid sleuths, he had also been gathering sticks and branches, which he now laid against the door. From a pocket of his jacket, he pulled a can of liquid, which he poured out over the wood. Then he pulled out some matches. Bending down, he struck a match and applied it to the pile of wood. As he did, he exposed his bright blue rear end. The flames quickly rose up the side of the building, paint blistering and peeling. The creature watched his handiwork for a few seconds, then hooted silently, and mounting the bike, rode silently away. Meanwhile, inside, lunch was over, bellies full, and the five were exploring what might be behind the killing of the owner of this decrepit Baskerville Hall. This place is a dump, said Trooper, as he stood in the middle of the main hall. What value could it have that would make it worth killing the owner, especially in such a terrible way? Perhaps things are not as simple as they seem. There may be something here of value that we are not seeing replied Overton. How can anyone see anything with all the dust in the air? commented Theo. Lestray sniffed. That isn't dust, it's smoke. The place is on fire. The five turned toward the corner where the dog door was, only to discover thick billows of smoke and the beginning of flame. We're trapped, shrieked Theo. They began running from door to door, but everything was locked tight. Mon Dieu, are we to die here? 
wailed Max. Overton lowered his head. You underestimate me, Max. With that, he rushed toward the main door, which could not resist the might of his 250 pounds. It burst open, and all five ran to safety. Turning back, they saw smoke was already pouring out that door, and flames were licking across the roof. That was, how do we say, the close shave, eh, mes amis? asked Max. That place is sure going to burn to the ground. If there are any clues there, they will be long gone before the ashes cool, input Lestray. Suddenly, every dog's ears perked up, and they all said at once, fire engine. The five dashed around the burning building and into the woods behind. From there, they watched the fire truck arrive, and the men try to put out the fire. By the time it was done, there wasn't much left, and the sun was beginning to set. They were just about to come out of hiding when a solitary cyclist rode by. He paused by the smoldering ruin, looking it over. Then he raised his head and made a loud, jubilant hooting sound. Finally, he rode off. What in the name of Alpo was that? asked Theo. I don't know, but you've reminded me that I'm hungry. Let's go, replied Overton. Well, there was certainly a lot more action in this episode. All right, so now we're up to five dogs. This Lestray seems like a nice guy, but I gotta say, I don't think he's a part of my family. I'm pretty sure I've never met him. Man, it's a good thing they got away from that fire. I was starting to get nervous there. But I think this is the kind of story where none of the dogs are really going to get hurt or killed. So don't worry about that. When they find themselves in a difficult, dangerous situation, rest assured, they're going to find their way back out of it. Thanks to William Stair for writing this series of stories for us. And thanks to you for listening to Elderberry Tales. We'll be back next week with the fourth and final episode. <laughs>